Well, good morning, Mountain Park. My name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for being here. We are celebrating the Christmas season through a series called What Gives, where we're taking a look, at, an overarching look at what God intends with generosity. What's God's design for generosity? And that, that we, as a people, as those, for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, that we should be marked by generosity. That, that, that we should be living out generous lives that bless others around us. And so next week, we're going to be doing something um, really special, something to really demonstrate, to share God's love and generosity with some other folks. So we're going to be taking up an outreach offering. Uh, I think as you came in today, you received a little card that said what gives on the top of it. And there was a list of projects and, and, and ministries on there that we're going to be partnering with. And so we are going to be taking an offering for them, uh, give you an opportunity to give some money. And, and, and every dollar is going to these projects or there's ministries. Nothing's going to pay for our lights or pay for our salaries. It's all going directly to these folk. And so uh, Alan's going to talk more about that next week. But if you would be praying about that, that would be awesome. Uh, and I want to take some time, actually, to pray right now as we kick off this morning. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, um, I thank you that as Don talked about last week, you are here. You are present. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. And we want to receive everything you have for us today, God. So we lay down all of our plans, everything that we expected this morning to be, we want to lay it down so that we can receive whatever you might have for us. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you shape us into the people you intend us to be? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, Don kicked off our series by talking about God's generosity, that God is the ultimate giver. And he, he said that, that the, the, the most significant, most important gift that God gives us is his presence in our lives through Jesus. And that, that that's really part of what all Christmas is about, that, that Christmas is this time that reminds us that God is with us, that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he came, God came in the flesh. He had a body just like us and walked on the earth and experienced life in the same way that we do. And then he talked about that that, that that presence is what should mark us as a people, that we should be distinguished not just by theological beliefs or doctrinal statements, but by the presence of God in our lives. It was an awesome message. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because what I say today will make a whole lot more sense in light of it. But then in the midst of that, Don said something else that struck me. So he said, God's presence is always there. He is with us to the end of the age. And then he said, many of us live on a daily basis in the absence of God rather than his presence. And that sticks out to me because on the one hand, he's saying God freely gives his presence. God is always there. He's always available for us to live in his presence. But on the other hand, we live in the absence of God's presence. It, it seems to me like there's a disconnect there. Okay, that there's a tension, and I think we've all felt that tension in some way, shape, or form. I felt it even when I was not a follower of Jesus, when I was an atheist, and I would have friends who would, would go to church and wear nice Christian t-shirts. I remember one said, his pain, your gain. Anybody else see that t-shirt back in the 90s? Okay, and they would wear those shirts, but I would look at them, and I would see lives that didn't really look any different than my life. 
And I knew that I wasn't living my life in the presence of God. And then even now, as a pastor, there are times when I struggle to live in the awareness of God's presence. Times when, 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 when I, I get impatient over something that's insignificant, or when I give in to temptation instead of overcoming temptation, when I react based on fear and insecurities instead of God's love and God's grace. So does that mean that God is not present? It's a real dilemma, and I think probably all will say, well, yeah, sure, we know that God is here. Of course he's here, but sometimes I think we're afraid to talk about that dichotomy and that tension that though we say, yes, God is present here right now, we don't always feel like it. And we don't always act like it. And sometimes things happen that make us question it. Times when we feel hurt or broken or sad. We say God gives his presence and he's here all the time, but I don't see it, I don't feel it, so maybe we're wrong. This is what I wanna talk about today, okay? Because I think a lot of times this happens because we have a messed up paradigm of what generosity really is. We see generosity, I think, uh, very one-sided, that to us, generosity is about one thing, giving. That's what generosity is about, right? It's all about giving. And that makes sense because giving requires, it's active. It requires us to work. It requires us to love. It requires us to sacrifice. If we want to give something to someone, if we want to give someone a gift, we have to go to the store and spend our money and spend our time and energy on that gift so that we can then give it to others. And, 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 then, and we celebrate that because it's a beautiful thing. And, and so you can go to CNN and they're having their CNN top heroes, Right? Or, or you can go online and read stories about people who gave a bunch or, or you get tax breaks for giving to charity, right? We celebrate giving. But there's another very important side to generosity that is woefully neglected. A side of generosity that we, quite frankly, are really bad at. And we ignore it, I think. And that is receiving. That we often neglect the receiving part of generosity because we see it as passive. We see it as passive, that the giver does all of the work and the receiver just enjoys the benefit of the giver's work. But the reality, and, and, and because of that, there's no CNN hero for receiving, is there? Right? There's, you don't get tax breaks for receiving, right? There's no award for receiving the most, Okay? We don't celebrate it the way we celebrate giving, but the reality is that receiving a gift, and especially receiving God's gift, often requires the same kind of work, the same kind of love, the same kind of sacrifice, the same kind of intentionality as giving does. A couple of years ago, um, I gave two of my kids some wooden model sets. One was a car, one was an airplane. And for the ages that my kids were, those sets were a little too complicated. I did that on purpose so that they would have to have me help them, right? I give them this gift knowing my intent, my hope is that I'm gonna spend time with my boys putting together these little model sets. We're gonna build them and they're gonna walk away with a beautiful car or an airplane and then they're gonna be able to say, I built that with my dad. And so I give them those presents and they're both excited. These are great, okay? And they're both, this, yeah, we want to build this with you. A couple days later, one of my sons comes to me and says, Dad, I want to build this with you. Can we do this together? And I say, great. And we set aside some time, and, and we get together, and we build it, and we spend probably longer than we needed to uh, putting it together and gluing all the little wooden pieces. And he gets done, and he sets it up, and it's awesome. 
my other son never really pursues it. And I, and I go to him even a couple times and I say, hey, you want to build your model? Do you want to build your model? I would love to do that with you. He's like, yeah, sure, we'll get to it later. I'll, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. And today that model is still in the box in his closet. So which one of my sons received the gift? They both had it. But the one who really received it as it was intended was the one who was willing to put in the work. The one who was willing to give his time to set up, to put it together. And when he came out at the end of that experience, not only did he have a super cool model, he had an experience with me, his dad. Now, I'm not stirring this just to kind of make my other son look bad. (laughs) He's an awesome kid. The kids are different. But I'm trying to point out that to truly receive a gift requires work. And that is true for us spiritually. The extent to which you experience God's presence in your life is based on your ability to fully receive and embrace what he is giving. The extent to which you experience God's presence in your life is based on your ability to fully receive and embrace what he's giving. And that takes work because receiving God's gifts always requires something of us. And it's harder than you think because we are bad at receiving. You can be a great giver and a terrible receiver. You probably are thinking of someone right now. You say, can I help you? And they, they give to you like crazy and you say, how can I help you? And they say, no, I don't need any help. We find great worth in giving. We feel great about giving. But often, we, when, we, when we receive, we feel incorrectly bad about it, guilty about it, or weak. And I wonder how many things are we missing in our lives because we aren't willing to receive, because we aren't willing to do what's necessary to receive them. So I want to look today at some scripture in Matthew, starting in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, to look at how do we really receive what God has for us. We'll be looking at a guy you might have heard of. His name's Joseph, not rainbow coat Joseph, but um, Mary's husband, Joseph, okay, And he's very prominent in the Christmas story. He's the guy standing at all the manger scenes going, (laughs) right? That that Joseph. Okay, so we're going to pick up in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about, the very first Christmas. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. There's our guy. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph has a problem. He's pledged to be married to this girl who's probably a teenager at the time, this girl that he really likes. And, 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 and now being pledged, back then being pledged to be married was as legally binding as marriage itself. If you were gonna break off that pledge, it was you had to actually file for divorce. So when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, in his mind, Mary is an adulteress. She slept with another man, and she's now carrying his baby. And he says, man, as a, as a guy who's faithful to law, I can't marry an adulteress. I can't condone her behavior. I can't marry her. But at the same time, I don't want her life to be miserable. I don't want to publicly shame her and have people look down. I don't want her to deal with that. So I'm just going to walk away from this quietly. It's the best solution I can come with. Now, in this, God comes to Joseph and offers him a tremendous gift. In verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, 
son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He says, Joseph, you can marry this girl. This girl that you picked, you can marry her. This was all a part of my plan. It's my gift to you. You can have a family. You can have a son who's also my son. I am with you. I've got your back, Joseph. And now the ball is in Joseph's court. How's he gonna respond to this gift that God offers him? We pick up in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, first two words, when Joseph woke up, he did. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now Joseph's response here tells us some very important things about how to receive what God wants to give us. But in order to understand them, we need to consider some of the other ways that Joseph could have responded. God's gifts are not mandatory. You don't have to receive them. God didn't suddenly overtake Joseph, make him a zombie who had to then go and love Mary. Didn't turn him into a robot. Joseph had a choice. He could have chosen to reject God's gift. He could have said, you know what, God, thanks for the offer. No, I don't, I don't particularly want to follow through on that. And God allows us that option. We can say to God, I do not want your presence in my life. We can say to God, I want to live as if you don't exist. And we can say that in general about our lives, that I don't believe God, I don't believe you exist, I don't want you anywhere in my life. And we can say it in very specific situations where we say in this particular instance, in this particular relationship, I want to live as if you don't exist. And we have that choice, but understand this. If we reject God's presence, we cannot complain about not experiencing him. We can't cut God out of our life and then say, God, why don't I see you in, our, in my life? God is going to give and give and give, but if we refuse to receive, we can't blame God for the consequences. Let's say I wanna take you out to steak at Fleming's. How many of you have ever been to Fleming's? I've never been to Fleming's. I didn't even know what it was until my, a bunch of other pastors started joking about me taking them to Fleming's, and I said, sure, why not? And then they explained to me what it was. So let's say I want to take you out to Fleming's. I call you up and say, I'm going to take you out to Fleming's. And so I go to Fleming's. I show up. I buy you the most expensive thing on the menu. The best thing, whatever I know you like. And it's sitting there. If you don't come to the table, you're going to miss out on that gift. Not because I didn't give it to you, but because you weren't willing to do what was necessary to receive it. If we are not experiencing God in our lives, it may be because we aren't showing up. And in doing so, we are rejecting him and rejecting what he's offered. It's possible to believe in God and reject his gifts. Joseph could. He, he could hear what the angel says and say, you know what? This isn't really a gift. This is a burden. Because it's inconvenient. Because marrying someone who's already pregnant is going to cause me problems. People are going to look at us funny. They're going to ask questions. It's going to affect my business. And it's not what I want. I never said I want to marry someone who's pregnant with someone else's child. I never said that. I don't want that. And it's not my plan. 
This is a big deal. You notice that God waits until after Joseph has his plan to tell him what to do. Because God could have come to Joseph earlier and said, you're pledged to be married to Mary. She's going to be pregnant with, the, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's all going to be good, so don't freak out. But God doesn't. He waits until Joseph has a plan, and then he comes and says, no, 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 no. Joseph is willing to let go of his plans and accept a whole new plan, a plan that will affect not just that moment, but the rest of his life. The rest of his life. Everything from that moment forward in Joseph's life is affected by his decision to marry Mary and be the dad of Jesus. Are you willing to lay down your plans and embrace God's plans, even if it affects the rest of your life? If you're not, you might miss out on something God is trying to give you. You know, my, my son Luke, I wasn't supposed to say his name. My anonymous son who I wasn't supposed to talk about. Dang it! I did get his permission to share the story, but I wasn't supposed to say his name. So just take that out of your brain. He, he didn't, it wasn't that he didn't want uh, to spend time with me. It wasn't that he didn't love me. It wasn't that he didn't like the model. It was just that he had other things he wanted to do. And we can do that. We can say, God, what you're calling to me to do isn't something I want to do. It's not convenient for me. It requires more of me instead of less of me. It's, it's gonna require me to change my plans. And we fail to recognize that God is actually trying to give us a tremendous gift God's gifts are often not about making our life easy and comfortable. If you're looking for a comfortable, easy life, if that's your goal, to put forth the least amount of effort as possible, you might miss out on some of what God is trying to give you. And so will others, because here's the thing. Who was the most blessed by Joseph's decision to receive God's gift? Was it him or was it Mary? Because if Joseph rejects Mary, he can find another wife, right? He, he's, he said, I'm not going to I'm going to find another wife. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a family. But if Joseph rejects Mary, what does Mary's life look like? As someone who's viewed as an adulteress, who's carrying someone else's baby, what are the chances she gets married? See, when you receive God's gift, he makes you a blessing to others as well. And that's one, another reason why receiving is so important. So now maybe you're asking, okay, Jan, that's great. How do I know when God is giving me a gift versus when he's just telling me to do something? How do I know the difference? Well, here's the thing. Telling you what to do is actually one of the best gifts God can give you. And we have to remember that. That any time God tells you to do something, every time God calls you to do something, every time he speaks to you, every time he tells you some sort of truth about yourself or about something you need to do, he is offering you a gift, the opportunity to experience him in your life. He's saying, I want you to know that I am faithful. I want you to see me work in your life. I want you to experience me in the same way I wanted my son to experience me building the model with him. God says, I want you to experience me in this way. God's guidance is a gift to us. It's what he's doing with Joseph. He says, I'm gonna give you a gift by giving you guidance. And Joseph says, I recognize this as a gift, so I receive your guidance. 
Now, maybe you're saying, well, yeah, of course Joseph did. He had a vision. He was sleeping. There was this gigantic vision, and there was an angel, and, and, and so I would do that too if I had a vision. You don't need a vision. You have something way more significant and way more powerful than any vision, something that Joseph didn't, actually two things. One, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. The same spirit that gave Joseph that dream actually lives inside of you. Number two, you have the written word of God. You have the written word of God right here available to you. Now, think about this. Joseph had two sentences. When the angel comes and speaks to him, he gives Joseph two sentences. That's it. And do you know how long that dream was that Joseph had? If you read it, it, it probably took longer than it takes us to read it. It was quick. He, there was so much that Joseph didn't know. He didn't know that Mary was going to give birth while they were on the road in Bethlehem. He didn't know that Herod was going to try and kill Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus was going to do amazing miracles. They was going to walk on water, raise people from the dead, that Jesus was going to die on the cross and be resurrected. Joseph didn't know all, any of that. There was a ton that God didn't tell Joseph. But Joseph responded to what God did say rather than worrying about what God didn't say. We need to focus on the directions that God has given us rather than worrying about what he has not told us. Living in God's presence isn't about knowing everything. It's about following the path that God has revealed to us in that moment so that we can experience him. If we want to receive God's presence, receive his gift, we have to follow his directions. And this is start, starts by adopting a mindset that, God, if you speak to me, I see that as a gift. And then we have to carry that mindset, that attitude, into action by actually relying on the gift that he gives us, by using the gift that he gives us as he intends Joseph didn't just recognize this as a gift, he acted on it, he depended on it, not just internally or emotionally, but in his physical actions. In, in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Jace, Joseph responds by taking action based on the gift. He behaves as if it is true. And if it's not true, you could, I mean, if, if, if what God tells Joseph is not true, you could argue that Joseph made an absolute fool of himself. That's important because I think it's possible for us to treat God's gifts the same way my son, who I will not name, treated that wooden model. We sort of mentally accept it. We even celebrate it, say, yeah, I'd love to do it. But we never act on it. We never use it the way it was intended. When my, when my wife and I, when our family was moving here, I came down in November of last year, and then, um, I, and then I, I got a house, and then I flew back up to Vancouver, Washington, uh, uh, just the week of Christmas, and, and it was snowing in Vancouver, and so we packed all our stuff in the snow up on a van, in a big moving truck, and we loaded all our kids in the van, and we drove down to, to Phoenix. It was a three-day drive with five kids in the van. It was awesome. We sang songs, we smiled, we laughed, and didn't do anything else. <laughs> there might have been some conflict along the way. There might have been a little bit of attention. And see, 
uh, I knew though, before I left, someone had come to me and said, hey, Jan, when you're gone picking up your wife, we're gonna decorate your house for you with Christmas lights. So when you come and you bring your family, it's gonna be all set up for Christmas. And I said, awesome. Now when I left, there had been no work done on my house. But they said, while you're gone, it's gonna happen. So after three days of driving in an awesome singing song laughing way, we pull into Phoenix and it's late at night and we had arranged to stay with some folks here in the church, the, the Schiffer family. And, and so my wife is like, the kids are tired, they're grumpy, let's just go to the Schiffer house, spend the night and we can come back to the house and show the kids in the morning. Now, she didn't know that, that there had been a bunch of work put into the house and it was decorated and I had this vision in my mind. I said, well, if, if what they said that they're gonna do is true, if that, if that gift is really true, then man, my family's gonna wanna receive that. And so I made a decision. I said, you know what, let's just, I know the kids are tired, I know it's grumpy, but let's just, go to the, let's just go to the house and take a look and then we can go. Now, that was a risk on my part. <laughs> I make that conversation sound very nice and easy. <laughs> Okay, and so we pull up, my wife says, okay, grudgingly, and we pull up to the house, and what we see is amazing. We see lights all in our house. We see trees, and what you don't see to the right in our house is, is a deer with a moving head. <laughs> and my two-year-old, my, who's now three, but at the time my two-year-old Salem just goes bonkers. There's a deer in our yard, and it moves. And it's lighted. And the kids are just beside themselves. This is amazing. This is amazing. And then we went into the house. And there was a Christmas tree lit. And three Christmas trees lit. And underneath that Christmas tree were presents for my kids. With their names on it. And my kids went into those presents. And they, they received them. And they opened it up. And my kids said, can't we just spend the night here? There's no furniture in this house because our furniture's still being moved. The house is bare. And my kids are saying, let's just stay here because this is amazing. We were able to receive that gift because we trusted that it would be there. We took an action based on that gift. We relied on that gift in a tangible way. And we need to do the same with God. Now, the way you just depend on something can vary depending on the gift, right? We got a lot of gifts in that, right? When we had that first initial gift of here's the experience of seeing it for the first time. That was a one-time gift. We're not gonna get that gift again. We can receive that. And then there was the gift of the Christmas lights, which we still have, and, and I just got to spend hours putting up again this year which was awesome, which was great. And my kids, again, my, my now three-year-old, there's a deer in our yard, and it moves, and it's lit up. So we get to experience that about once a year. We get to experience that gift. And then the food in our pantry, we got to experience as long as it lasted, except for the can of pea soup, which is still in our pantry. I've passively rejected that gift. Um... But then there was something else. See, 
when our house and our kitchen, all the drawers in our house, the face of a lot of them in the kitchen were loose and the faces were, were, were kind of pulling off. And, and someone, as part of this work, actually came in and repaired all those drawers for us. So guess what? Every day, I'm receiving their gift. Every day, I'm opening a drawer, pulling something out of it, closing a drawer multiple times a day. That's how God wants us to receive his present. Not just once a year, not just a one-time experience, not just on Sundays, but every day relying on his presence. Do you take action based on the gifts that God gives? Are you depending on his presence? Are there things you do, not because you wanna be a good person, not because you wanna be seen a certain way, but because you believe God is right here with you right now? Because you believe in the presence of God. Do you pray knowing that he is there and he is listening? Do you share your weaknesses knowing that he is there and that he loves you? Do you admit your sin knowing that he is going to forgive you, that he is there? Do you read his word knowing that he is there and will speak to you? Do you share what you have with others knowing that he will provide for you? Do you say no to your desires, to greed, to lust, to gluttony, to stinginess knowing that he is there and will give you victory Do you approach fear knowing that he is there and is greater than whatever fear you might face? Do you say yes to a ministry opportunity because you know he has a purpose for you in the midst of it? What if our number one goal as a church during Christmas was simply to receive the presence of Jesus? What if that's what we focused? It said, this season, every day, every moment, I'm gonna focus on receiving what Jesus has for me right now in this moment. What would that look like? What would it look like if everybody in this church was like Joseph? If we all said, whatever you have, we, we're willing to lay down our plans and pick up your plans. We're willing to do what's inconvenient for us. We're willing to love others just as Joseph was willing to love Mary. We're willing to care more about what God says than what other people think or what we want. We see God's guidance as a gift and we will follow his directions by taking actions on his word. We're gonna focus on what God has revealed and not worry about what he hasn't revealed. This is what's gonna make Mountain Park truly, truly great. That the presence of God fully embraced and lived out by his people. Now, in a minute, I'm gonna give you a chance right here in this time, in this this service, to receive God's presence, to take hold of it. But before we do, I wanna give you a tool. We talked a little bit about the Bible as the written word of God and that that we, we can take that and embrace this and take actions based on it. But for some of us, I wanna acknowledge reading the Bible is a daunting task. I remember the first time I became a follower of Jesus, I'm looking at this thing going, I can't read half the names in this thing. Where do I start? How do I even deal with this? So there's a, an app for your phone called the YouVersion, YouVersion Bible app. And if you're uncomfortable reading the Bible, you, you don't know where to begin, you struggle with it, download this app for your phone, YouVersion, the Bible app. And they, in addition to having the whole Bible on your phone, they have reading plans you can do, but they also have a verse of the day. And so one great thing is just to take the verse of the day and say, how do I live today like this is true? Like, how do I receive this gift? So this is the verse for today, uh, Isaiah 43, 2. If you look it up on your phone, it'll be right there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What, what if you had that verse and you said, I'm going to live like this is true? 
Uh, that doesn't mean you should go walking through fire, by the way. <laughs> Literal fire. <laughs> but, but what if we said, okay, today, God, I want to receive this truth. I want to receive that you will be with me. That when I go through troubles in my life, when I'm going through, when I'm feeling hurt, when I'm feeling like I'm drowning, I will act like you are with me, with confidence that you are with me. It's a simple way for us every day to receive God's gifts. Now, because church is a time where we should not just hear about God, but respond to him, we're going to give you some time to do that. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of music, music. There's no vocals to this music. Okay? I just want to encourage you to take a moment and embrace the presence of God right now. 